deception through the Bible. Truth wins over the lie. And um, this all comes from, I believe that someone came to me this week and they said, Pastor Scott, on my phone, I get a message, you know, please call me. I'm in trouble, Jess. He said, I'm not Jess. And it's coming through on my phone and I need help. And so I ignore her. Comes another hour later, two, 1 o'clock in the morning. Jess, call, help, I'm in trouble. Okay, block. I'm not Jess, I'm sorry. And hour later, on a different phone number, help, I'm in trouble. And you, you get the, the picture. Um, you've been you've been there. You know that that you know that there's they, they talk about and I, I just can't picture this that, that there are there are people all over the world who sit and they have phone numbers and they they will just look and try to find people that they can deceive to try and steal money from them and if they can get one person to believe their lie and that someone on the other side of the globe is it has their father's diamond mine has been sold and if you send them $25,000 you can get that out of uh, customs and get the money for it so people want to steal your money they want to as we talked earlier they would like to give you a moldy message um, there are many false religions out there the, the book here it's so prevalent through the New Testament beware false teachers People would who would have you believe the lie. We were talking about that in Sunday school. There are so many people who would deny that Jesus Christ is the one and only Son of God, equal with the Father. And they would have you believe that. And I got to the end of this. And we talked about the devil, the master deceiver. We talked about... Um, riches being deception. We talked about uh, uh, women like Tamar in the Old Testament being a, dis, a deception. And, and I'm not saying all women. I'm just saying, oh, never mind. <laughs> we talked about it. But anyways, and but in Jesus had deceivers in his life. And he saw through right, right through deceivers. And he knew how to deal with deceivers. And so when we want to look for an example of how we ought to live, we have to look at Jesus Christ as an example. And so let's go to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26 in our, our Bible. And Jesus was living with someone who would try to deceive him. And let's read in our Bibles together, Matthew chapter 26, verses 14 to 25. Matthew chapter 26, verses 14 to 25. It says there, Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? And they counted out to him thirty pieces of silver. So from that time, he sought opportunity to betray him. Now on the first day of the feast of the unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying to him, 
Where do you want to prepare for where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he said, Go into the city to a certain man and say to him, The teacher says, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them. And they prepared the Passover. When evening had come, he sat down with the twelve. Now as they were eating, he said, Assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were exceedingly sorrowful. And each of them began to say to him, Lord, is it I? He answered and said, He who dipped his hand with me in the dish will betray me. The Son of Man indeed goes just as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. Then Judas, who was betraying him, answered and said, Rabbi, is it I? He said to him, you have said it. In this passage of scripture, I think about it. I think Jesus Christ, we, we, we sang this song the, the twice today. We heard it. God had a plan from the moment of conception to the birth of the baby, to the life that he lived, to the cross that he would die on, to the crown of thorns that he wore, to the resurrection and ascension. It was all laid out. And I believe that God knew that from eternity. I believe that God knew exactly what was going to happen from eternity past. And it all worked out according to his plan. And so he knew from the beginning that there would be a Judas. But he didn't change anything. Does God know that there will come times in your life where someone will try to deceive you, will try to lie to you? Yeah, he does. Does he know that there will be times where someone will try to deceive you into believing a lie about religion? Yes. Does he know that there will come a time where bad things are going to happen? Absolutely. And God allows those things to happen. Someone said to me that this week, they said, Scott, I don't know why God would allow that to happen. You're supposed to have a purpose for everything. And bad things can happen in our lives to teach us lessons. But why this? Why, why that particular problem? Why would God allow that to happen? If he knows everything, why'd God let Judas? What was the purpose of, of him and his betrayal? We have no idea sometimes why God lets these things into our lives. Even if it's an annoyance or trouble or, or whatever could happen. I read an email this week about um, from someone in our church. About someone who had just gotten out of the hospital from a hip replacement. And their husband was in a rough 
situation. They were walking to the door and boom, fell right over and tripped and fell and hit their head. All bruised up, black and blue. And you just say, God, why? But I, I know in my heart that God has a purpose, even for, for the hard and difficult things in life. And I must, I, I must admit that one of the hardest things for God to go through as he faced this earth would have been to build that relationship with Judas. To pour his heart into Judas and then to have Judas betray him. Judas had been lying to Jesus, pretending to be one of the twelve and then would be t- betray Jesus and turn his back on him. God sees a deceiver years before the deception is revealed. Jesus knew all about it. From the moment I'm sure that he first embraced Judas, wrapped his arms around him and said, Judas, I'd love for you to be a part of what I'm trying to do. Jesus knew what Judas would do. And I think about that, I think to myself sometimes, I go, do I really want to embrace that person and invite them to come to know the Lord is, I mean, what if they stab me in the back? What if, what if the charity and love and the gospel message that I, that I show them is just used and abused? What if they take the message that, that I have and they twist it? And I begin to think, well, well, Jesus Christ poured into Judas. And he allowed Judas to be a part of the group, even knowing that Judas would betray him. We're still to offer the gospel. We don't know the change that that God could make in someone's life. They could come to know the gospel and to hear, hear the message. And we just never know. We need to trust God that God is in control and that he can take care of us. So in verses 14 to 16 of this passage that we just read, I read that Judas's betrayal begins. I'm going to get to something in the book of John. I've read and studied the steps to the cross and and the night on which Jesus was betrayed. And the events that are written. And the gospel writers, their stories all differ a little bit in what's happening. And some people will say, oh, look, look, look. The Bible is different in telling the story of Jesus going to the cross. The the, the writers wrote it differently. Like so? Have you ever picked up a newspaper and read things about history. If you read four different newspapers, you're going to get four different stories about what happened. Right? And what would we say if all the messages matched every single line and detail and phrase? Collusion. And like I I state to people, especially the Gospel of John, Jesus Christ is putting himself on trial. It's a testimony. It's a legal document saying that Jesus Christ really came here to the earth to die on the cross for your sins. He says, test the scriptures so you can find them to be true. 
And if they all, if every word, line, sentence matched, we'd say collusion. And that these disciples, they got together, these apostles got together, and that's why everything matches. And one of the things that that I've noticed, someone who is an eyewitness to the events that wrote in this book, John, he leaves something out about Judas and his betrayal of Christ. And that is the thing that he leaves out when he's writing is that he doesn't talk about Judas kissing Jesus. And I've always thought to myself, John was the most intimate person at the time of the cross to write in this book. But every step of the way, John was as close as he possibly could be. He loved Jesus Christ. He's a person that never got over the fact that Jesus loved him. And he was right there. And there's something that he leaves out. And he leaves out the fact that when Judas betrayed him, he betrayed Christ with a kiss. I find it interesting that he leaves that detail out. I'm sure he saw it. But don't you think it would have been very, very hard to bring that memory back up again? I've often thought to myself, John, being the pastor that he was, had probably read the other Gospels. And he had seen their take on things. He knew that they had written about Judas's betrayal with a kiss. And I think that was probably a very, very hard memory for him to bring up and for him to write about. One of the things that I also, as I, I read this passage of Scripture, notice is that God's plan is bigger than a lie and cannot be thwarted by the lies of the enemy. It says lies, but there's a V in there. I don't know how that, probably my fingers were just going too fast. But it should be, cannot be thwarted by the lies of the enemy. His, his plan for this world, for redemption, is amazing. For lives changed is amazing. And the devil is going to try to throw as many arrows, as many darts at us to deceive us, to get us to believe the lie. But his plan is going to keep on moving on. No lie will stop what Jesus Christ is doing on this earth. No message, if you think about it, there are a lot of lies out there. Um, we hear about lies that, that this world was evolved over billions of years. That lie can't stop the truth that our God created the world in six literal days. That the story of the flood can... It is a fairy tale for children, and it shouldn't be believed. Um, can't stop the truth that our God has a plan for this world. There are lies out there that Jesus Christ really didn't die on the cross. Call it the swoon theory. Can't stop the plan for God's redemption. 
There are lies out there that would tell you that this book, this book was fake. And God is always working. He's always doing things to bring us back to the truth. I love, one of the things I like is teaching seventh grade Bible class. And I've got a lot of stuff that I want to cover. And so I'll get into something. I'll get into something and I'll be getting to the point. And I'll know that the bell is close. And every once in a while, I'll get to about the point that I want to talk about. And the bell will ring. And I'll close my book and I'll say, okay, guys, time to go. Sometimes kids go, oh, Mr. Wilson, you're just getting to the good part. And it happened this week. And and I was talking about to the kids about the book of Daniel. And I was telling them how there were there was a time where people taught that the book of Daniel was written after Jesus Christ died on the cross. That, that was a big teaching uh, about a hundred years ago. And they'd say, you know, this you can't believe the Bible. Books like the book of Daniel were written after Jesus Christ died on the cross. It was was written a lot later than was given credit to. And so then I was beginning to tell them the story of the Dead Sea Scrolls. And so I was describing that to them. And, and so I, I was describing how, how they were found. And I was getting to the part where, where they, they began to test these, these manuscripts and the bell rang. The kids were like, oh, Mr. Wilson, we wanted to hear the end of that. And I was like, oh, and Izzy, isn't that what, Izzy's in my Bible class. Isn't that what happened? Now, Izzy, you got to remind me to finish this story, because uh, that was the last Bible class, wasn't it, that we were talking about that. And, and, and I look at that. They, there's lies and lies and lies and lies. But God just does things. He says, hey, my word is true. And he used something like the Dead Sea Scrolls to authenticate the timing of the book of Daniel. He uses men like Ken Ham to authenticate his word. He uses people who do great things to authenticate the truth. And we need to hold on to the truth. Jesus knows deception. He can, he can see deception and he brings lies to the light. This morning we talked about the fact that Jesus Christ is the light of the world. And and he's going to take the lies, the deception, the, the, the half-truths, and he's going to expose them to the light. I believe that there are a lot of people in this world today who, be, who believe the lie that Jesus Christ is never going to come back for his church. That it's all nice fairy tales, and you don't have to believe that stuff. I, I just think about all the material that's been out there that... that People can read, they can see, they can hear. It says, "Jesus, Christ, warning that Jesus Christ is returning to the church. Get saved today before it's too late. One day when the church gets caught up, then we all go to heaven to be with King Jesus. Those who left are left behind are going to go, oh, I can't believe I missed that. And then guess what the devil's going to do? He's going to tell another lie. And people are going to believe the lie, the strong delusion, until seven years later, Jesus comes back and the truth comes to light again. One of the things that 
I think about this is in verse 22 of this passage in Matthew. It says, and they were exceedingly sorrowful. And each of them began to say, Lord, is it I? Deception brings sorrow to God's family. Lies can hurt. Um, I think there's, we did talk about things that are bad in the church a little bit earlier. And this morning, we were talking about things that bring sorrow to, to your heart. When I think about the fact that the news always wants to bring up what is bad and what is terrible and they want to focus, they're going to they're gonna reach out and try to grab that. One of the things that breaks my heart is the fact that there has been so much child abuse in the church. And it should break our heart. And that deception has destroyed God's congregations. It has brought sorrow to God's heart. It brings sorrow to our church, to our hearts. When we think about people that the world has trusted to do what's right and to say what's right. Have done things that are wrong, have hurt the most innocent among us. We need to bring that to light. We need to do what's right. And deception, lies, will bring sorrow to God's family. You need to know the word. You need to study the word. And we need to know that those who would try to deceive, and maybe, I don't know what's in any, in, Everyone's heart today. Well, maybe you've got deception that's growing in your heart. Deception will bring sorrow to God's family, to this family, to other families. And you need to bring that to light before it's too late. Because it always breaks every one of our hearts. When we find out that someone has been trying to deceive us. To betray us. Let the truth win. Let the light of Christ change your heart. Do business with sin. If you're hiding sin in your heart, lies, deception, bring it to light. Bring it out and say, God, I, I need to do business with this. Put into practice 1 John one nine, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In verse 23, it says, he answered and said, he who dipped his hand with me in the dish 
will betray me. And I, and I put something up here. And I don't want you to, to misunderstand what I'm trying to say. I say in verse 23, God can be more subtle than the enemy. I'm not trying to suggest in any way that God tries to misdirect us. He's trying to lie to us. He's trying to deceive us. But the ways of the Lord bringing the truth to light can be very, very subtle. Maybe he gives you just a word that will prick your heart and say, that's wrong. Or maybe he will do just something little to, to bring a sin to the surface so that it needs to be dealt with. I, we've looked through the Old and New Testament at some sins and the way that God brought that sin to the surface often is, is very subtle. And he moves things in just a way so the truth will come out. And while, while Judas was trying to be sneaky, God was very, very, very subtle. And in verse 24, I love this part of it. In verse 24... It says, the Son of Man indeed goes just as it was written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. And so in verse 24, I wrote here, God's very blunt with the truth. Um, sometimes <laughs> I... I sent my first kid to the office. I usually don't send children to the office at school. Usually if I want them quiet, I can get them quiet. And if I want a little bit of interaction, I can do that. And I sent my first kid to the office in a few years this year. And it was because he had done something wrong. And when I called him out on it, he, well, I didn't do anything. Oh, that bothered when I see a kid do something wrong and he sticks his hands up in the air and goes, I didn't do anything wrong. And I know he's lying. That, that bothers me. And a lot of times in the world, when, when you try to talk to someone about what they are doing wrong, my, myself included, I, I know that I, I have done this on many occasions. You will get someone that when, when you talk to them about that, they'll start to reason through what they are doing and, and why it is okay. And you know that it's not okay. And maybe Judas was reasoning in his head of why. No, Jesus says, the Son of Man goes just as has been written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for him had, him, had he not been born. God's very blunt about the truth. I love reading the words of Jesus Christ in in the New Testament. He doesn't he gets right to the point. He's very blunt. He doesn't and right is right and wrong is wrong. Choose to do what is right. Don't try to make excuses for what is wrong. We are saved by the grace of God. Saved from sin. And then God says, live a righteous life. Be different. Be changed. 
Do it what is right. I write it down so often in this book. Choose to do what is right. So if you are a sinner and you come to the Savior, awesome, wonderful. But leave that sin, the deception, the lies behind and go to what is true. Go to what is good. Live right. Do right. God can save you from your sins. But then he wants to change you into a person that can do what is right. Maybe tonight God pricked your heart a little bit. Because there's a lie that's hurting your relationship with God. Live and do what is right. Take care of sin. Let God be blunt with your sin. Let him bring that deception to light. and Let him do business with it. If we, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with God. Do you want to have fellowship with God? Do business with sin. Change and choose to do what is right. Live a righteous life. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your power over sin. I thank you that you see deception in our world and you want to change it. God, you are good. And Lord, lies and deception would destroy our church family. It would hurt what we're trying to build here for your kingdom. And I pray victory over lies. Victory over false gospels. Lord, help us. To serve you, to look for betrayal, and to follow the truth. God, you are good, and I thank you for that. I thank you that you knew about Judas even before he began to betray you. And I pray, Lord, that you might help us to see through the lies and to hold fast to the truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.